like to keep it PG. <laughs> That's good for a sex podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's my favorite kind of sex is PG sex. <laughs> Fade to black, am I right? <laughs> And welcome back to Awkward Erotica. Uh, we just want to inform you that we have a live studio audience here with us today. We are a 90s sitcom. Yeah. We are full house. Yeah. We, we are a full house. Full house. Can, we, can we get an applause from our studio audience? Oh, wow, wow. Thanks, guys. This Thank is you. everything I've ever wanted. <laughs> I, I think I'm just going to hire people to follow me around and applaud every time I do mundane tasks. <laughs> did you put on your pants today clap clap clap, 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 clap i mean clap, i could clap, do clap, that clap, for clap. you we do live together yeah it's not the same if it's a singular person though then it's just wow. strange wow um, wow i would like a a whole crowd like a whole crowd and then they can laugh when i make jokes what i'm hearing is that i'm not enough for you well that's what i'm saying so okay all right i'm glad right. we're on the same page that's like okay why don't we get on with the episode <laughs> before you hurt me even more than you already have <laughs> okay so, uh, Melina, I got a rage for you. Oh, I'm excited. Tell me what your rage is. Um, my rage is men. Yeah, well. Who, yeah, right? <laughs> That's it. Aren't we all? When the show's <laughs> over, folks, yeah. it's men. Yeah. I'm, I'm enraged. <laughs> um, specifically men who write things that are horrific. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know if you guys know this. But The Guardian released a top 10 list of the worst sex scenes um, in literature for 2018. And it is a goldmine of uh, comedy and uh, sorrow. <laughs> um, I, I am 100% positive none of these men have ever had sex. Also, they're all men, by the way. And I didn't make this list, so you can't blame it on my bitterness. <laughs> Someone else compiled this list and it's all men. Now, I'm sure there are men out there who write things fine, maybe. I don't know. I've never met them. But these men, terrible. So bad. So I'm going to read some of them because I uh, have to share this um, treasure that I have discovered. Um, and, you know, awkward erotica. I feel like this really yeah. is true to our our brand. <laughs> this may be the only time we are exactly on like, theme. Like, literally. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We, we hold loose to themes, as you'll remember from our first episode. Um, but this is pretty tight. Tight to theme. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to start with um, a excerpt from Katerina by James Frey. Now, this one hurts me because I, in fact, love James Frey, or I loved his first book, which was A Million Little Pieces. There was a whole kerfuffle about it because he was like, this is my memoir. And then people were like, that's not your life. And he was like, shh, don't tell anyone, especially not Oprah. But then they told Oprah and it was awkward. It's still a great book is my point here, in case you missed that. This is his newest book. Uh, I have not read it. Um, I don't think I will read it after having read this, but maybe you'll feel differently. I don't know. I don't think you will. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, you probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me just, let me get my vocal cords ready. This is what we learned from going to an art school. This is what I learned from high school musical. The true art school education. Yeah. 
I'm hard and deep inside her, fucking her on the bathroom sink. Her tight little black dress still on, her thong on the floor, my pants and my knees, our eyes locked, our hearts and souls and bodies locked. Come inside me, come inside me, come inside me. (laughs) Blinding, breathless, shaking, overwhelming, exploding white god, I come inside her, my cock throbbing, we're both moaning, eyes, hearts, souls, bodies, one god, white god, come, 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 I close my eyes, let out my breath, come. No, 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 thank you. (laughs) Our studio audience is cracking up. (laughs) Let's just count that, shall we? One, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight times in barely two paragraphs does he say the word, Come. Just in case this woman doesn't know, like, what's gonna happen, come. It's come. He's coming. Did you hear him? Come. It's come. More come. Let's come. <laughs> and in case you're wondering. Together. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Over me. Boom, boom, boom. That's really good. Maybe that's what that song is about. <laughs> Maybe. I, I actually, I, have I was gonna be like, no. The and then <laughs> I have cracked the Beatles. Yeah. Paul McCartney, give me a shout. Not you should really. tweet him. I'm going to tweet him. At Paul McCartney. Yeah, is this what this is about? I wish that John Lennon was still alive. <laughs> uh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Took okay. a turn. That took a real wild turn. I hope you're still with us. <laughs> Let's do the next one. Yeah, one more. I'm going to do one more. This one's great and full of words that sound like they're not real words to me, but apparently they are. We did a Google, so... We're just going to go forward. It also sounds like it's written by characters from the board game Clue. Um, (laughs) That was very funny. It's not a joke. It's just a fact. Sometimes I think I've heard all your jokes. You you have. You've literally heard that exact joke. I know, but it cracks me up. (laughs) You know, maybe you are my studio audience. I am. Okay. The title of this book is Scoundrels, The Hunt for Hands Clap. But it is written by Major Victor Cornwall and Major Arthur, Arthur St. John Trevlian. Sorry, this is from 2018? Who the fuck are these people? I don't... These are alive people? These are alive people. Or they're dead people who wrote an alive people book. I don't know. Maybe there's some crossover between the dead people book market and the live people book market and they just like made it through. Like when European pop stars make it into the American market. No, these are either dead people or these are people I never want to meet in my whole goddamn life. Wow. <laughs> we'll see how you feel after him. This, <laughs> this paragraph. It goes. Empty my tanks. I'd begged breathlessly as once more she began drawing me deep inside her pleasure cave. Yep. Her vaginal ratchet moved in concertina-like waves, slowly chugging my organ as a boa constrictor swallows its prey. Soon I was locked in, balls deep, ready to be ground down by the enameled pepper mill within her. It's a lot of nope for me. Gonna have to write that a nope out of nope and uh, ten nopes across the board. 
It's not. Uh, it's not making it on the sizzle scale. The sizzle for scale. You. It's a, that's a that's a big hard no on the sizzle. Scale. <laughs> not even a, that's a big soft no on the sizzle scale. I have always wanted my vagina to be compared to an enameled peppermint. Yeah, I actually think that's kind of badass. To be honest, like that's. Like, <laughs> I really want to ground some fucking dick. Yeah, okay? like that. I'm fine with that. Or other things. You know, I'll grind up stuff. It's cool. I'm down with that. Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. could you imagine? Would you like some pepper on your salad? <laughs> That is not sanitary. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am, health inspector, not pleased. Not pleased. So I, that's why I don't run a restaurant. That's the only reason. Yeah. There's no other reason. No, because I would, <laughs> I can't even keep going with it. I'm not, it's done. I'm dropping the bit. I wow. <laughs> Your lack of commitment is truly upsetting. Yeah, well, I'm a studio audience and not a <laughs> performer, so. <laughs> that's, that is literally false right now. Yeah. You are the main act. Get your shit together. I have no shit. <laughs> I gave them all away. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to talk about real things. Um, uh, those were real things. Yeah, that's fair. But we are. We're going to continue our series on birth control methods. Yay. Uh, Today we speak on the pill, oral contraception, um, the condom's older sister, she has a Pinterest board and lots of decorative pillows and she stops at home since that's the pill. Maybe she owns a Kate Spade bag. I don't know. It's literally just describing me. Yeah, well, I can't help it. <laughs> Great. I'm really glad. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay. Um, so for something that is just so widely used, we feel like there's a lot that people don't know about the pill, uh, starting with how it fucking works, uh, which is, it uh, turns out, important. So, uh, if you're talking about the, if someone's talking about the pill, they're probably talking about two, they're probably talking about the combo pill, but there's also the mini pill, so there's two forms of pill contraceptives. So, it, prior to speaking to you and your, like, wealth of knowledge on said topic, in my head I knew that there were different pills, but I thought it was more like, Jasmine versus, yeah. I, that's the only brand I can think of, but you know? Yeah. But you're saying, like, those are all combo pills, they're just different companies, but there's actually two different types of pills. You would be correct, ma'am. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are two different kinds of pills, and even within the combo pill, there are different variations of that that are not just based on brand, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later. Um... But the main difference between the combo pill and the mini pill is the hormones. So the combo pill has a combination of hormones. Damn. Yeah. Look at how that works. <laughs> yeah. And that's estrogen and progestin. And basically it stops pregnancy uh, via a three-pronged attack. I love an attack. Yeah. It does. It stops you from ovulating. Because defense is a good offense. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> It's fine. I don't know if you need a second. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just taking in one. For I'm your dignity? Picking up what you're putting down, okay. man. Three-pronged attack. Let's go. Three-pronged. So it, it thins the lining of your uterus. Um, it thickens the mucus around your cervix, and it stops you from ovulating, essentially. Um, and now the mini pill only does two of those three things, and it's only one pill, which is progestin. So it thins the lining of your uterus and thickens the mucus around your cervix. And basically, that means that sperm have a hard time getting up there. They have a difficult time implanting. And in the case of the combo pill, failing both of those things, there ain't nothing for them to fertilize. Love it. A sneak. 
Yeah. They're like, oh, I thought this was an egg. Surprise, bitch. It's mucus. <laughs> That's the name of the episode. Surprise, bitch. It's, it's mucus. mucus. So, what they used to call me in college. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, bitch. It's mucus. It's <laughs> just, just mucus. That could mean a lot of things. Did you get a lot of head colds? <laughs> oh, I really thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. No. Um, I like to keep it PG. <laughs> <laughs> That's good for... Uh, sex podcast yeah i know <laughs> it's my favorite kind of sex is pg sex <laughs> fade to black am i right <laughs> um yeah so you uh you take both of these things orally in the yeah, mouth that's why it's oral contraception versus a condom don't put that in your mouth well okay you could put it in your mouth but don't swallow that'd it. be bad don't swallow the condom don't swallow it <laughs> anyways uh yes it is in fact a pill that you swallow and it is for the most part 91 percent effective if it's used exactly the way that it's supposed to be best best practice um 100 correctly and now you're sitting there and you're like uh well wow that's really easy uh how hard is it to use a pill correctly i just pop it in my mouth and then i do a swallow wrong <laughs> wrong because uh you know, the time, it turns out, that you take said pill can uh, have an impact on how effective it is. Correct? Yeah, correct. So, like, the con... That's correct, Alex. Excellent! <laughs> the combo pill. Um, <laughs> Sophia's name's not Alex. I don't know. Or is it? You don't know. Um, you don't know me. You don't know my life. Your middle name is close. Yeah, my middle name is Alexandra, so yeah. there we go. Um, so, and we're back on the road. So the combo pill, uh, basically like you want to take it within, I think it's 12 hours, but you really, really want to be as close to the same time that you take it every day. And the further away you get from that time, the, the, um, effectiveness decreases. But for the most part, like the window for the combo pill is, is pretty wide. The many it's still like, you can, the, the best practice is to take it at, at the, the same, same time. time every day yes so absolutely. obviously it's absolutely. still effective if you're taking it within that 12 hour window but you are slightly fucking with it absolutely yeah and and it is the technical term yes <laughs> the mini pill is different the mini pill you you ha you have to take it at the same time every day or it, it like the effectiveness reduces drastically um, it becomes drastically less effective when you when you even get within an hour of that margin. It's it starts to knock points off that. So this is why it's important to make sure you know, like ask your doctor whether they're putting you on a combo pill or a mini pill because yeah. stuff like this can make a really big difference. It also makes a difference even within just the combo pill. So there, and this is something I found like a lot of doctors didn't tell me, and every friend I've had who has been on the pill has not known this. When I've been like, like, because a lot of people come to me for stuff. That one of one of the she's a wealth of knowledge. I don't I don't know, but I I know some things, and I'm very apt Most at the Google. Wise. Uh, one of the members. That's what they called her in college. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Hundred percent no. <laughs> well, that's what I called you. I'll take it. All right. But basically, what I found is when people would ask me, "Well, what do I do if I miss a pill on this day, or if I miss two pills, or whatever?" And I'll say, "Well, are you on a monophasic pill or a triphasic pill?" And people go, "Kikwa." Sounds like um, <laughs> uh, math to me. Yeah, which is also what I said when my, one of the second doctors I saw was like, well, which pill are you on? And I'm like, I don't fuck it. What? I'm like, why would Huda? I know? But basically. Luda. Yeah, Luda. <laughs> Sorry. I'll stop interrupting with whatever pops into my brain. <laughs> I don't think 
like you you shouldn't make promises you can't keep. You're right. You're right. Um, but basically all it means is you're either on a pill that has the same amount of hormones in every pill or you're on a pill that has a varying amount of hormones per week. Um, and that matters for a lot of reasons. Like it matters. So if you miss a pill in the last week and you're on a triphasic pill, that matters more because there's less hormones in your body. So it's going to affect um, how well it works. It also matters if you're on the pill for reasons like if you have really bad cramps or you have really bad PMS symptoms or you're trying to like, you know, take care of something else that's going on in your body. One of the reasons why I went on the pill is because I had really horrible cramps, but the first pill I was put on was on a triphasic pill. So of course, and it was a pill where the hormones were um, decreasing in amount um, closer to my period. and. I had horrible PMS symptoms and the pill wasn't doing anything to fix those. And I thought it was just the pill as a whole, but it was actually just the kind of pill. And my doctor didn't tell me. I didn't know. It wasn't until way later that I figured that out. Why would your doctor tell you? I don't know why you would expect such a thing from the medical profession who's supposed to be monitoring your health. Health. Why should they tell you about your health? I don't know. That's not their job. That's not their (laughs) literal job. No, clearly. not the literal thing that they are there for. No. That's what Google's for. Yeah. Yeah. Or Planned Parenthood. Most or of this, Planned Parenthood. Most of this information I got when I eventually had to go to Planned Parenthood. So, also things that affect the ability of the pill to do its job to that, like, 91% effective rate. Now I've said effect too much and it's bothering me I and I won't too. be able to edit it out. So, here we are, guys. <laughs> um, is, is, like, grapefruit. Yeah, grapefruit's a funny one because I remember it it was about, I'd been on the pill for about three years and we were switching and she was like, do you eat grapefruit? And I was like, I actually eat a lot of grapefruit. And she was like, wow, I don't normally get that answer because most of my patients aren't 80-year-old men. Yeah, well, I am an 80-year-old man. It's fine. We know this. (laughs) I used to eat one half a grapefruit every morning with my oatmeal. your life was one and a half grapefruit sadder. (laughs) Okay put a little sugar on it and you caramelize the top it's really yeah. good or you could eat like fucking lucky charms and live your best life now <laughs> i feel really attacked um but the point is we'll see if i can even continue i don't know if i can but the point is is that um she was like well okay um if you're gonna eat grapefruit just eat it on the inactive pills or like the days where you're not taking a pill and i was like well why and she was like here's the thing we don't actually know how it's not necessarily that grapefruit makes the pill less effective they just know that it interacts with the hormones and they don't have no fucking clue how or why so they're like just avoid it yeah and i'm like okay lady yeah wild and like antibiotics also yeah antibiotics is a big one um, another big thing is if you uh, vomit a lot, like me, for no reason. Or if you get sick. I feel yeah. like that's something you don't think about, no. right? Because you're too busy focusing on the fact that you're sick to realize that when you ingest something orally and then you vomit everything that you've ingested, that thing doesn't yeah. that work. Well, it's within two hours because it, it takes a little over two hours to sort of like adjust to your system. Um, so if you throw up within two hours of when you have taken the pill, uh, you're, you're, you know, it's, it's like you skipped a pill that day. And so as a result of all of the room for user error, you end up in situations where, um, on average, one out of 10 women will get pregnant while on the pill over the course of a year, or half of all unplanned pregnancies in the U S occur in women taking the pill. And it's not because the pill itself is ineffective. It's just that people are not taking it 
or are not being careful in the way that they take it or to make sure that they're taking it 100% correctly because they're just sort of like, well, as long as I just take it at some point, it'll be fine probably. And I think that that's because of not only a lack of education in the school system, but also um, a, a lack of education on the part of doctors when they're prescribing you something to tell you what's going on. Something that I found really, really interesting was like, so <clears throat> if you're taking a pill pack, you're either taking a 21 pack or a 21 or 28 pack, right? And so on a 28 pack, you have seven days of inactive pills and on a 21 pack, you don't. So you can either take a break or take pill packs back to back. I remember the first time I was prescribed the pill, I was told that it's really unhealthy and bad for you to skip periods with the pill. That is not true. There are no increased risks of taking pills packs consecutively. It's something that they did when they were first developing the pill. One, because women would be more, it was like they did surveys and stuff and women would be more comfortable if um, they had a quote unquote regular period. Um, and another reason why they did it is because they were trying to get money from religious groups and a lot of religious groups were like, we would be more willing to give you money if this looked more like, again, quote unquote, a regular natural cycle because it was perceived to be more pure and it was perceived as not to be meddling with God's plan or like God's creation. I don't I, It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but that was sort of why they did it and this myth sort of gets perpetuated around it. And it's something that I heard from lots of people like, don't skip, but it it's actually the pill is more effective if you don't have those seven inactive days. Well, there's something weirdly attached to menstruation in like a yeah. million different ways. Like one is sort of the stigma and the shame that we feel like you don't really talk about it. It's embarrassing and gross. But the other thing is that it's so intimately tied to femininity, to to matriarchy to womanhood like you become a woman when you have your period yeah. all of that stuff so the idea that all of a sudden you would not have that i think really um aggravates our society's um sense of females yeah well it, so it, i personally would like to not fucking bleed yeah well and also like it plays into like the rigid lines by which we operate in terms of gender which you know are fucked up to begin with and we don't super need so uh, you know if you have bad periods and you don't want to do a period like talk to your healthcare provider but you probably don't need to be doing a period damn the man is what <laughs> i'm saying yeah. damn all the mans don't have a period period do what you gotta do do what you gotta do yeah um but the pill, there's a lot of fucked up things around the pill, specifically around the development of the pill, history of the pill. Yeah. Um, it was not great. It was not all female empowerment. Uh, now I feel like we kind of try and, you know, talk about the pill as though it's all like, oh, rah-rah women and our independence and our autonomy, blah, 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 which is not true for, like, several reasons, um, but also is certainly not how the pill was conceived. No, I think Pat. that... <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> it's like trying to stop conception. And then I was like, how the pill is Oh, I see. I see. I see. You're not doing a very good job as my studio audience Yeah, I know. Right I really, You're supposed to I, laugh. I dropped the fucking ball. I'm sorry. Goddamn rude, but it's fine. Go on with your wealth of knowledge. <laughs> Just go on. It's not a... All right. All right, all right, all right, all right, all um, right. I made me no mess around me. It's not so loving. It's not so loving. 
fucking hear that. You fucking hear that. And I uh, didn't say those lyrics so well that no one can sue us because you can't prove anything. <laughs> Lawyered. Lawyered. Um, Facts podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's interesting because we tell this narrative of the history of the pill as a narrative of sexual um, coming to and liberation, but I actually think the history of the pill is equal parts remarkable, equal parts horrible, because you can't deny the fact that we were in this state where, you know, people are, like, dying because they're having too many kids. They're trying to, like, contract tuberculosis so they can't have any more kids. It's a whole fucking Or give thing. themselves abortions yeah. so they won't have kids and, you know, bleeding out and dying. Yeah. It's not really a thing DIY. YouTube video done. Bad. Abortions, not gonna work. Bad. So you cannot deny the fact that, like, there was a need for something like this, but you also can't turn a blind eye to the racism and the sexism and the marginalization that came along with the development. Um, A name that you hear a lot in sort of the history of the pill is Margaret Sanger. She was sort of the brainchild of it. Like, or not the... That's It was her brainchild. brainchild. There we go. That's the right one. It's fine. But she was kind of already an activist. Like, her mom had 11 kids and then, like, died as a whole thing. She was real unhappy about it. Um, and so in the early 1900s, she's already, like, mailing people diaphragms, which I think is great. Um, I, too, mail people diaphragms. Yes, yeah, we should start doing no, that. No, no context. context. Like, nothing. Just, just one day. Yeah. You know, if you get a diaphragm in the mail, Get your rocks off. Goddamn me. Yeah. Um... So she kind of sits down and she's like, you know what I want? I want a pill that will stop pregnancy that's as easy to take as aspirin. And that sort of becomes the tagline for like this whole thing. She... Great branding. Yeah. Good fucking PR. Yeah, truly. Um, Because aspirin is something that everybody was used to taking, right? Like a pill in your mouth. Oh, we know that kind of. We're already familiar with that. Pill in your mouth. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That's another episode title, Pill in Your Mouth. Um... So she uh, finds a real rich lady backer. Catherine McCormick just has like loads of money. Which isn't that the dream? Like I just want a sugar mama to fund all of my wildest schemes. Yeah. To take down the patriarchy. Yeah. And then she gets two scientists, Gregory Pincus and John Rock, who admittedly like were not the greatest people on the planet. And to be fair. Pincus. Yeah. I mean, there's that. And to be fair, Margaret Sanger, also not the the greatest person on the planet like that's something that i think that happens a lot the biography that i got a lot of this information from which is good information but the guy who writes it is like very clearly in love with her and i'm kind of like okay buddy like like you take your rose-colored glasses off and like get down to it yeah man yeah man yeah man so yeah she like gets these people and they have a really hard time getting money um you know but eventually they do and it gets approved by the fda but along that road they have some serious issues margaret sanger gets in bed with like the eugenics movement because she's realizing there's a lot of they have a lot of money um and that's a problem because rich racist man yeah exactly because racism that's why that's a problem and it's upsetting because the reason why she wanted the pill in the first place was to help poor women like to help like poor women of color like poor women in rural areas like the women who kind of need access to this stuff the most and so getting in bed with something like the eugenics movement is really sort of counterintuitive the other thing that happens is like john rock uses his he's a gynecologist and he uses his clients 
um, as participants in these studies and he tells them that he's doing a fertility study but he's actually like giving them the pill and the side effects are so bad that some of them almost all of them drop out so they didn't there's an informed consent issue um, they, it's also being tested on incarcerated women without their consent like there's like a whole slew of injustices that occur when they're trying to get this thing developed um, and we're we're two people at our kitchen table doing a podcast but I will link some really incredible resources below and I just strongly urge everyone to take a look at them because it's important well and I also think it's very interesting to bring up in this climate of the me too movement and all of this talk about consent to sort of broaden that out like the fight for women to have consent to their bodies goes beyond just sexual context but it is very real in a medical context as well yeah absolutely i i like a hundred percent that's like so wise which is fucking terrifying yeah please don't test on me without my consent no no and like the it's it's all bad like that that stuff that shit that shit's not good and it just gets completely left out of this narrative well and i think we still see even now today that the pill has been developed and we're no longer using women like lab rats as we sort of talked about already earlier on our doctors seem to be very lazy when it comes to you know explaining to us this thing that they're giving us and uh, like I know you had such a hard time finding a pill that worked for you and a lot of that had to do with having doctors that just literally didn't listen to anything that you were saying no so like i i have endometriosis but it took me 15 years to get a diagnosis like i had started having like a lot of really horrible pain um around when i first got my period like it's my period was nine days long and oh um, god yeah a lot of days yeah it's not good and uh was, there was like you know a lot blah blah it was like an unnormal amount of not I, I like normal is maybe not the best word but it was it was kind of it felt like a drastic amount of blood yeah and it was also very painful and so I went to the doctors and they were like okay well we'll put you on the pill and I was like I, I just feel like something else is wrong and I went to so many different doctors I saw specialists um, the, the first time someone listened to me was like, you know, just within the last couple of years and it was at Planned Parenthood and it was actually a therapist. It was a therapist who listened to me. The other issue I had is that the pill made me super depressed and super anxious and nobody listened. Like nobody was willing to give that any sort of credence whatever whatsoever. And it sucks. Well, and I was on two different pills for like very short increments of time Definitely, it was not explained to me in any detail. Like, I don't think at all. Besides yeah. just at some point, the prescription being, like, written out. And it's like, go. Yeah. Get it. You know what it does. And I was like, yeah, sure. I did. Probably. No babies, right? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, ma'am, no babies. <laughs> I was like, cool. Great. Um, And both of them made me really sick. Like, I just my... I just got... I get migraines anyways, but I got really horrible migraines and I would see spots and I would throw up and it was like every day and it was constant and I just felt like I couldn't do it, but I also felt like there was this attitude that I wasn't trying hard enough. Um, 
like, well, this is irresponsible of you because you, what if you get pregnant now? And I'm like, well, okay, I'm not just, I think you overestimate the amount of sex I'm having, sir. Uh, but also we've talked about this before like a lack of acknowledgement of I was like I can't live every day of my life just in pain yeah um there has to be another way or like another option and like obviously there are but we do live in a society that really prioritizes the pill and like that's the thing that's talked about and even though we're aware that there's a million side effects listed on the instruction the pamphlets that come with them and and whatever the side of the bottle like we kind of brush those aside as not a good enough reason to not take it yeah well and I think that's like it's bonkers to me that we do that to ourselves like you and both I like when I when I um started having like really intensified because I I have anxiety already like before the pill um but when I started to have really intensified symptoms my first thought wasn't oh maybe it's this thing that I'm taking I was like, it's me. Something's wrong with me. And so I, I took antidepressants. I took anti-anxiety, like so many things trying to fix me. And I think some of it obviously is me. Like I, I, I do not that that's, it's my means it's my fault, but I, it, the pill did make it worse, like for sure. And I just like was not listened to. And I, I immediately felt like I was doing something wrong. Well, and like you're being selfish for saying this isn't working for yeah, me or yeah. I can't do this or I need something else. And they're like, well, you're not dying. So yeah. this seems like a low priority for us. Yeah. It also made me feel like a bad feminist. Like, I know that that's weird, but like I had a really hard time, especially as someone who volunteers at like sexual health clinics and like, I actually like, it sounds like I really hate the pill, but like I don't, it just didn't work for me specifically. Um, and someone who like, reads about this stuff like I just felt like I was a bad feminist and a bad reproductive justice advocate for it not working for me well and I get that in the sense that my mom was definitely always like well my mom was like don't have sex till you find someone you want to marry not really but a little bit <laughs> like in a low-key mom way like she didn't say it outright but she's like oh honey here's your breakfast oats and also don't have premarital sex <laughs> oh, and i made a muffin <laughs> um but she was like you know the person who doesn't want to get pregnant will make sure that they don't get pregnant and so when i felt like i couldn't take it or couldn't be on it um it felt like I was, yeah, like I was being irresponsible or I was being selfish and I was asking for it or like asking for something bad to happen because however careful you are with condoms, there definitely is a, a larger risk and it feels like, again, more space for user error. Well, I also think it's about, there's something about like in society, like women at and people like in that position like there is this idea that like we're supposed to be responsible for it somehow like regardless of how effective it's condoms because you hear that a lot like you can't rely on a guy don't rely on the guy like well, don't just, that's also, a whole line in the Gilmore Girls it's a thing <laughs> well and it's a big thing now because uh the pill and other forms of birth control are so widely used that guys are like no condoms don't want to use a condom not going to use a condom don't want to use a condom like that's a big thing and it is a hard moment and we talked about this in the first episode when we were talking about condoms but it is a hard moment in which to advocate for yourself yeah because even though they you you know it's like you're you're vulnerable in that moment in so many different ways like physically emotionally 
whatever so it's hard to feel like you're it, it, you don't feel like you're in a position of power yeah well and I, I think a lot of this comes down to that like how vulnerable people are like certain marginalized groups are in the medical community like you know, I have had to advocate for myself almost my whole life when it's come to my physical health and my mental health. And I shouldn't have had to, but because of the system we're in, I did. And so I'm a big proponent of like doing your informed Googles and like getting as much information as you can and talking to as many people as you can. That's part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because like somewhere out there, someone will have had the experience that I have. And I felt like, it's only recently where I'm hearing people sort of talking about this. So, like, I I just hope that, like, someone will hear it and be like, okay, well, it's not just me and, like, I can advocate for myself. Or also start thinking a little bit more actively about the fact that, oh, wow, I'm actually on a drug. Like, I, this thing, like, I feel like we talk very casually about things like the pill. Um, we don't take it seriously as, like, a medication that you're taking, especially when it's a medication that you're, like, lots of girls are put on when they're 14, 16, 17, and then are on it until they're 30, like, 35. Yeah. You know, that, it's not, you're not ovulating. Like, you're yeah. you're disrupting your body's production of hormones that affect brain growth, that affect the way that your body interacts with itself. And another thing, that's another thing that I just think doctors do not, educate women about or talk about or that we as a society are not acknowledging as though this is just the same as popping an aspirin every once in a while like yeah you're taking this pill every single day sometimes you're taking this pill every single day for decades um and, and you that doesn't mean that it's bad it just means that you should be aware of it that you should think about it um and that you should really ask questions and make sure you understand and and yeah make sure that you feel like you can advocate for yourself yeah. like none of this is to say that like the pill doesn't work or that it's bad for you it's just to say that we just there should be more information given like i you know in my in a perfect world we would be educated about this in school and when doctors prescribe this to you they would give you all of this information and not just hand it to you on a pamphlet with like 10 point font but really sit with you and make sure you understand it that's my perfect yes. world yes but that's not the world that we live in. No. Speaking of this not just being a rant about hating the pill. Oh my god. Oh my god, guys, guess what? This is so exciting. It's such an exciting moment. We have not only a studio audience, but a guest. We have a guest! A guest who's here to speak a little bit on, oh wow, maybe sometimes pill not so bad. Maybe sometimes pill a good time. <laughs> So we have Annie here with us. Um, Annie, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, so when did you first get prescribed the pill? Oh, who knows? Um, I think I was like 13 because I had really bad acne as a teenage pre-child. Um. One of those cool pre-childs, you know? A, a prequel to a child. And so I tried all those like ointments and like, I don't even know what those things are. The ones that make your like your whole face peel off. And then they were like, well, you're 13. Why don't you try the pill or something? So I did. And it helped for a while. And then, you know, I went off it. And then it got like 70 times worse. And then I went back on it. But I'm like, 
I'm very bad at advocating for myself. So I just kind of like go into the doctor. I'm like, hey, I want my pill. And they're like, okay, this one. And I'm like, sure. And like, luckily that works for me. I know it doesn't work for every person, but like every pill that I've been given has worked pretty well for me. You did. I remember when you came off the pill the last time, your period was like super erratic for Mm -hmm. a while. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get my period for 10 months, I think, (laughs) after I went off the pill. Which was like, wasn't concerning because I was not having sex. (laughs) So that was fine. But I mean, I went to the doctor a bunch of times saying like, I still haven't had my period. And she was like, oh, it's fine. It just happens. Again, another point where she could go more in depth, but she just kind of was like, it's a side effect. It's a regular side effect. Something that I find really interesting is, is this idea of, um, withdrawal after the pill even when you're saying like when you went off it the first time your acne got worse that's a side effect of like mm-hmm. withdrawal of coming off of the pill is actually that you get cystic acne yeah like, even if you haven't had it before because you've been yeah because you have been suppressing those hormones and yeah. and so the fact that you went in and you're like oh i haven't had my period is this an issue and she's like oh no it's fine like, yeah, that is a moment in which she can go, oh, this is actually the result of withdrawal, like, mm-hmm. from this this pharmaceutical that you've been taking. And, a, you know, depression is also part of that. And sometimes people think that, I mean, you can get pregnant right after you come off of the pill, or it can take 10 months. And that's another thing that they don't always say, because it, you can go a long period of time without getting your period. Um... And we just don't talk about it because we don't talk about the pill like it's a pharmaceutical. We just talk about it like it's a mint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Here, well, have after a meal. <laughs> yeah, well, like... Endless breadsticks and a pill. <laughs> I recently had to come off the pill because it was interacting very, very poorly with um, the anti-anxiety medication that I was taking. And it was also just like reacting very poorly with my mental health in general. But I am someone who has never had cystic acne in my entire life, and I have had it now, um, which, like, to me isn't one of the – the bigger deal for me is that I recently just had a period for an entire month coming off the pill. Yeah. It, like, went away for a couple of days, but, like, for the most part, like, I had it for pretty much an entire month. And, like, that's that's wild. Like, my period was really long before going on the pill – but never a month long, never a month long. And I also just think like, what if you were someone who had come off the pill and maybe there was something going on? Like maybe it was PCOS. Like I know erratic periods are a symptom of PCOS. Even endometriosis, like erratic periods happen. It just happens a little bit differently. Um, And it's it's the thing about endometriosis is there's like so such a minuscule amount of research that like it just affects so many people so differently. But Melina, if we dedicated research to that, what what would happen to all of the men suffering from erectile dysfunction? Truly. Like, we must funnel all possible research money into erectile dysfunction, okay? We must. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> or the world will crumble. Or the world will crumble. Yeah. There's no room for anything else. No. Just ED. That's all. <laughs> well, and you know what? It feels like that. Like, that because is what it, it feels is like. <laughs> they literally funnel billions of dollars into erectile dysfunction, which is fine. I get it. Your dick is limp, and that is emotionally <laughs> traumatizing, and I am not trying to minimize that, but it is not the same as chronic pain. No. It is not the same as chronic pain, and it is not fair that we, like, somehow are able to prioritize money and time 
for that issue and not for the multitude of issues, endometriosis being one of them, yeah. that women are dealing with. Well, I also think, like, considering... Thanks for coming, my TED Talk. Yeah, <laughs> this whole thing is a TED Talk surprise. <laughs> I also think, considering that, like, women aren't the only people who are using the pill and who are using contraceptive methods like the IUD, like, we really do need to p- be putting more research into it. it because, like... I just think that, like, there should be an effective form of birth control that works for everybody who needs it. And something like the pill that exacerbates symptoms, exacerbates, I can speak. Who needs words? Yeah. Symptoms that um, pertain to your uterus or pertain to things that society links very strongly with being a woman. Um, I just think it's important because that that's not going to work for everybody who needs it, right? That's not going to work. And we can do more research. Like they stopped at the pill when it was effective and didn't kill people. They were like, we're done. That's it. Women will take it because they're desperate. That's and that's fucked up. That's their whole bar. Just like, yeah. don't die? Okay, good. Yeah. And that's fucked up because so many different kinds of people need it. Um, so many different kinds of, of literal people. And then also like, you know, different bodies. Like it. It's just we should be doing more. Well, and because they use the pill to, like, for things other than just safe sex, right? Painful cramps or, like you were saying, acne. I'm also interested when you, when they put you on it at 13, like, do you, like, was it explained? Was any of it explained to you? I was, like, at a dermatologist's office, so it was, like, very not explained to me. So, like, they basically just sent me to my GP, and my GP was like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. So, you know, it's your GP, so you trust them for the most part, when you're, like, 13 at least. So that's what I just went with. But then you're just, like, there's such a issue around, like, they don't explain to you that, like, there could be other effects well, they were just like, this will clear up your acne. They yeah. were like, also, maybe look this out for list this. of other things. Yeah, look out Did for this. Did they not tell you anything? No, so like when other things happen, you don't think that it's the pill doing it to you. You just think that you're just like, like you were saying before, yeah. it's just like, oh, this is just me. This is just happening to me. But it's like, it could be other What things. the fuck? <laughs> like, how can they do that? Even infomercials have to tell you what the negative side effects are. Even if your doctor is just like, and also, possibly, it will uh, yeah. give you heart disease, uh, attack your uh, blood pressure, and, and tiny hands. Well, they also don't tell you, like, well, like, my GP specifically didn't even tell me about different kinds of birth control. They were just like, this is the one that I think will work for you. Thank you, goodbye. And I'm like, cool. I don't know either, so... Well, that's why I really liked going to Planned Parenthood, like, because after seeing, like, a do- I was just like, okay, like, fuck this. Like, I just feel like I have no agency here. And I was like, I will go to Planned Parenthood. And so I, I really liked going to Planned Parenthood because they sat me down and they were like, here are the different kinds of pills. Here are different people's experiences on these different kinds of pills. Like, here, and they sit with you and they go through the data. Like, they did a lot of stuff. They there were peer counselors that you could talk to to be like hey what was your experience on this like it was just such a well-rounded approach and I'm not saying that everybody's experience is going to be the same whatever but my experience there it was just they gave me so much more information than I had ever experienced before and that was really what made me care about this shit and made me like want to volunteer and and it just I was like we all need this like someone needs we all need this <laughs> well it goes back to what you were saying about you know 
they're not being informed consent when they're testing out the pill, it, it feels like we haven't moved past that. Like, yeah. there still isn't informed consent. Like, when a doctor just hands a 13-year-old some medication and is like, here you go, take this, it will do one thing, and su- surprise, in brackets, many other things. Um, that's not informed consent. Y- you know, when I just feel like we're all being put, we're all, <laughs> but... But it does feel like it's just this thing that we're being put on and nobody is telling us what it is. And then we have these side effects and we have these issues and you go into the doctors and even the doctors don't connect it to the pill. Like they're just like, oh, this is a separate issue. When so many times it is because you're coming off of the pill. It is because you're changing pills. It's because you're going on uh, to the pill for the first time. And, And then you just live your life with these like weird illnesses that you think are just you and they're not you they're they're a thing that yeah. you were put on by your doctor who's supposed to not be keeping secrets about your health yeah well and like i think if i had all of this information at the get go like it i think i would still go on the pill i would have just tried the mini pill because it's a lot of my side effects were specific to estrogen but i also just think like again if you have this information it means you can be like okay well let me research what pills have less of this thing that's causing this thing like you know maybe a triphasic pill would be better for you because it decreases it 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 just changes the way that you interact with that information and it changes the way it it changes it's because you're a consumer it's a pharmaceutical you're consuming it essentially because drugs aren't covered under ohip which is our it's Ontario's healthcare plan so like if you're in the states it's it's like medicare and medicaid except that it's completely state funded essentially um um yeah so farm but pharmaceuticals aren't covered under it right that's still an insurance industry thing that's still a pharmaceutical industry thing so it is kind of being marketed to you as a consumer right and we don't really think about that either well i was gonna say like if you think about it too could there be some sort of like corruption between the pharmaceutical companies and the doctors who are being (laughs) forced to like force these pills on young girls because these were just what were advertised for them the doctors don't actually know that much about them so they're just like here's this thing that these big pharma people came along and showed me here you go thanks bye and i think to some extent because it like interacts differently with everybody it's like well i know this will cure the problem that you have and it might also give you other problems but you came to me with this problem so i've solved it there you go you're solved i've solved you i've solved 10 out of 10 i passed my test (laughs) <laughs> um, and it's like the rest of the stuff, you're, uh, it goes back to you're not dying, so it's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And you're like, eh, which has been my whole life my issue with doctors. Yeah. Is you're like, yes, no, I understand I'm not dying, but it is impacting my daily life. And they're like, sure, sure, drink water. <laughs> like, eh, great. No. I appreciate that you've really taken into consideration the things that I have told you. Well, for me especially in the last years, it was always lose weight. It was like, lose weight and this won't be a problem for you anymore. And I'm like, okay, no, that's not the problem here. And that was the biggest issue that I had in the past, I think like three to three to two, two to, <laughs> I can count, <laughs> two to three years was that every doctor I went to that was not my own GP, like every specialist was like, well, if you just lose weight, your periods won't be so bad. And I was like, my periods have been bad since I was fucking 12 when I got them. Please do not do this. And that that's a huge other issue, too. We should do an episode about that, about weight stigma in the medical community, because like that's a huge thing. Like you just can't get anything like you. They just don't listen to you. It's 
terrible. I was told that my ingrown hairs would go away if I just lost a bit of weight on my thighs. So, party. What? A <laughs> Yeah. See, but again, this just, it feels like lazy medicine. And specifically when it comes to female bodies. Like, we just don't, we're just not putting in the the money or the time to research any of this so doctors they're like well i don't really have the answer so drink a water or lose a weight or whatever and you're like no you're not listening to me you're not taking into account what i'm saying you're just like spewing nonsense which you know i get i give directions for a living sometimes i don't have the answers i'm like go left <laughs> they're like are you sure and i'm like yeah to the left to the left <laughs> everything you want in a box to the left but also i can't destroy people's lives i can destroy your vacation (laughs) (laughs) uh thank you annie so much for lending us your voice and thank you i'm sure that you'll you'll hear her again Uh, you 100 percent will because we're gonna do a super fun episode all about dating apps and we're gonna make annie do it with us we're also gonna make tori do it with us even though she probably doesn't want (laughs) tori is our studio audience right now Speaking of inequalities in gender and medical practices and whatnot, um, I would really like to talk about the male birth control pill. Or the testosterone pill. Sure. Whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want to call it. Let's talk about it. Because I feel like everyone I know for however long has been joking about like, oh, I wish there was like a male birth control pill or testosterone pill. And uh, surprise, they're doing that. (laughs) That's a thing that they are... (laughs) They are doing. <laughs> so in March 2019, a new uh, male birth control pill passed tests of safety and tolerability done by the University of Washington. It's called, are you ready for this? It's great. 11-beta-methyl-19-north-testosterone-dosiclitocarbonate. Catchy. Now... Since the pill has already claimed the name the pill, which, side note, is fucking whack. Like, that something has become so well recognized within our society that you can just say the pill and we know what pill you're talking about. Like, if you were like, oh, the chair, and everyone instantly knew, like, exactly what chair you were talking about. It's wild. The pill is like the Julius Caesar of birth control it has conquered everything and one day the iud is gonna stab it in the back i did not know where you were going with that <laughs> i was like what i didn't i don't <laughs> i'm not i'm not confident that i went anywhere but you definitely went somewhere <laughs> <laughs> it's out there in the universe now and i'm not taking it back no um so yeah uh the male birth control pill is uh, lacking some pizzazz in the name department. So I um, I have uh, three proposals for you, Melina. All right. My friend, my love, my studio audience. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Numero uno. Okay. In my proposals. Sperminators. Hard seven out of ten. You know, like, uh, like a little... Uh, Schwarzeneggers. Oh, no. Little Schwarzeneggers just marching into your mouth and shooting the sperm in your balls. Sperminators. Yeah? No? True shock and horror on our studio audience faces. (laughs) Arnold Schwarzenegger. Anywhere near. 
<laughs> well, that's supposed to be male birth control pills. So you don't have to take it. It's fine. Anyways, <laughs> fine. We'll move on. Number two, safety smarties. It's a safety smartie. Have yeah, fun. Sure. I'm. A, I'm. A, I'll, I'd take that. It's a treat. Yeah. Every but day you're like, oh, I gotta take my safety smartie. Eight point five out of ten. Thanks. I appreciate that. Numero toi. Not your daddy mints. It's a reach, Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, I'll take that. But also, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll I take it on the chin. Am I- not here for your piss poor attitude it's only kind of true (laughs) anyways those are my three proposals i'm you know i'm just saying i think that it would really help us out if if the male birth control pill had a better name Uh, then i think maybe they do their research faster testy pops testy pops like, are, but are they popsicles? Testy pops. Testinal, testville? Te- I'm trying to make a play on that. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> uh, and you didn't like Not Your Daddy Yeah, this. I know. I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't have a leg to stand on. Whatever. Basically, what this pill does is combine hormones to reduce sperm production while maintaining the libido. Not that anyone seemed particularly concerned about libidos when it came to the female birth control pill. That is a side effect of some of the hormonal contraceptive pill. Because why should we care if women enjoy sex? That's actually a side effect that really uh, fucked me up. That really affected me quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's fine. But, like, men, we're we're real concerned. Um, So the pill, it mimics testosterone in the rest of the body while preventing it from being concentrated in the testes, so they do not produce sperm. Um, It drops testosterone levels pretty low, um, but none of the test subjects reported any severe side effects or dropped out of the experiment, unlike the female birth control pill, as previously said. Wow, amazing. Um, So some of the side effects were there were six cases of fatigue, acne, headaches, five cases of decreased sex drive, and two cases of mild ED. But for those guys, don't worry. They're funneling billions of dollars into research, into erectile dysfunction, so you'll be just fine. I'm not bitter. Don't worry about it. I am. (laughs) It takes 60 to 90 days to be effective. Um, They intend to continue. Yeah. Because it has to stop the... Yeah, that's different um, from the hormonal, the estrogen pill. Um, because it has to stop the, uh, production of sperm. Yeah. Um, and they intend to continue testing and predict it will be available in 10 years, which still feels like a long-ass fucking time. Too long. However, in a 2005 survey of 9,000 men, 55% said they would be interested in a male birth control pill if its effects were reversible. So that's, like, a little bit, uh, maybe exciting, because I do think that, like, there's what something like eleven or so options for women when it comes to birth control, and there's two for men, and that's condoms and vasectomies. And as a result, I think a lot of men have taken a backseat to birth control, to educating themselves, to caring about it. They just assume that you're gonna do it, and you know, like we said, they're not interested in wearing condoms. Um, in another survey done in 2009 of 800 unmarried 18 to 29-year-olds, 78% of men uh, reported that they were clueless about the pill. Um, 78% is fucking high. Yeah, it is. Um, but they're like, well, I don't have to take it, so I don't have to know how it yeah. works. I don't have to 
be responsible in any way, shape, or form. And it's like, well, actually, here, uh, maybe now you do. Maybe now it's a little bit more of a conversation because, again, we have more options. Yeah. That's my rant, uh, one of many that you have been forced to endure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that that's it's really interesting. I like... I just think that everybody should have all of the information. I also think I, this is like a tangent and a very, but what if, what am I if not tangent, tangent podcast, changing the branding. I also think if we like teach and I, I am actually, my partner ended up is a man and ended up explaining. Shock horror. Well, <laughs> um, ended up explaining like a lot of how the pill works to me. Um, so I just think that, like, everyone should have that experience. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it should be, you know, like, we should educate both men and women in the same way about this stuff. Even same with periods. Like, I actually think that would help reduce the stigma quite a bit if we just taught periods the same way to everybody. It also then takes out that gender thing. So if you feel like you, you know, or if you you don't fit into either of those categories if we're just teaching everybody the same thing that it doesn't fucking matter then you don't have that weird like we're gonna split the women and the men and then we're gonna blah, blah, blah. like we don't have to do that shit no. just teach everybody the we're same fucking thing all living in a society together is a small world after all uh scary animatronic singing children so we should just all educate ourselves and respect each other and you know not be fucking dumb don't be fucking dumb. Don't be fucking dumb. That's the end of this podcast, guys. Thanks for coming to our TED Talk. We have so many things to say. We got through so much information. We have so many things. Don't you feel smarter? I feel smarter. I feel exactly 72% smarter. Exactly 72% smarter. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. And cut. all the way to the end we thank you we pity you but also we thank you you can find us on all kinds of socials we don't know how to use uh we're aqua rocco a-w-k-o-r-o-c-o on twitter and aqua erotica on instagram if you have topics ideas questions compliments you can email us at aqua at gmail.com we do not accept complaints um if you like what we do and you want us to do it better you can support us on patreon we'll leave a link in the show notes big thanks to nathan for our intro music and callum for our beautiful icon art we'll link his instagram in the show notes as well he does real good art please check it out that's all she wrote folks see you next week go be awkward